welcome everyone to another episode of Riders and Fighters, a podcast. I'm your host, AJ Ortega, and each and every week on this show, I interview someone involved in writing or someone involved in fighting. This is episode 38, and I got somebody that does both. My buddy Christopher Maverick is a former independent pro wrestler and currently a cultural theorist and critic. He's also a writer, an artist, photographer, and podcast host. We talk about a whole lot in this one. Tell us a little bit about being hyperlexic as a young child, like reading really early, which sort of propels him into his academic studies as he's currently finishing up his PhD. We talk about how he got into professional wrestling and martial arts. We go deep on the Fast and the Furious franchise, his philosophy about teaching, writing, and argument to college students, wrestling promos, his creative work like the webcomic called Cosmic Hellcats, and drawing and photography. We'd cover a whole lot, and it's a good one. So there's no fight talk or recaps at the front end of this episode, so let's just get right to it. This is my conversation with Christopher Maverick, a.k.a. Mav, my academic misfit fighter buddy. I had fun with it, so I hope you do too. Enjoy. All right, y'all, I'm sitting here on Zoom with Chris Maverick, good friend of mine from my running around the Pop Culture Association conference, <laughs> interest in writing and wrestling. Super cool dude. Mav, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, man. Hello. Uh, I am many things. Uh, <laughs> primarily right now, I'm an adjunct professor, instructor at like three different places. Uh, I'm a, I, I teach English, um, like you, uh, at a place in Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh and Mount Aloysius College and Duquesne University, where I'm also finishing up my PhD. I do a lot of research into, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cultural theorist. I do a lot of research into, uh, into cultural studies. Uh, my work usually deals with how race and class and sexuality and gender are represented in 20th and 21st century pop culture. So I look a lot at movies and television, comic books are one of my specialties and professional wrestling uh, was, was one of my first specialties that I, that I worked with. Um, and so I, you know, what can we say about the world in which we live in by looking at the way characters are portrayed in WWE programming? It's like literally something that I've actually done. Or in my case, I did a lot of, um, um, I was also a pro wrestler for, for several years. I was, uh, um, worked the indie circuit. And so I was able to like do what we call autoethnography, mixing in a lot of my personal experiences with, you know, with the scholarship. And I, I found that, you know, hey, you know, what's a good way of learning, of learning about this industry? Why don't I just go out there and, you know, let people hit me in the head of the chair? And, you know, that, that seems like that seems intelligent. <laughs> so, I, so I did stuff like that for a while. Now I'm too old. I, don't, I, I haven't, I, I, I've, I haven't worked. Well, no, I, that's not true. I worked a match two years ago, right before the pandemic started. But nice. for the most part, I've been retired for about five years, five or six years. That's great, man. That's great. And that so. intersection of wrestling and the scholarship was where you and I crossed paths, found out that you were right. writing about wrestling, talking about it again through this academic lens. I was doing something similar mm -hmm. and we linked up several years and 
yeah, it, it's just been a, a, a fun little ride. I've since kind of moved away from the wrestling writing, and so have you. You've moved into the comic yeah. book stuff heavily and all that stuff. And yeah, and, and that I just wanted you on because you wear so many different hats, right? And I don't, <laughs> dude, I, whenever we go to those conferences and hang out with academics, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, we're like the real people. And it's like people like you show up, and I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, Mav's dope. Like, he has this. Super, he's super smart, and he has this really interesting other world and these other lives that he lives and and all sorts of creative endeavors. Here's a question for you, though: yeah. Was the writing thing first, or was the wrestling stuff first? I'm talking Little Mav. Probably that's hard to say. So, um, probably, probably writing was. First, and I'm just guessing. Um, I've learned I learned um, to read and write completely by the time I was two years old. And by read and write, um, I mean as opposed to I, I've never, or I mean I'm sure I did at some point, but I was never really into kid books, um, like like picture books or anything like that. My mother will tell you that she, um, well, she got, she was lucky that I was smart because she didn't understand how babies work. Um, <laughs> so like um, when you talk to babies, you know, baby, baby talk, me and my brothers, we, we never had that. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I had a single mom who was, you know, living with this baby. So she just talked to me like I was a regular person and she, you know, um, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to, you want to read a book? Here's a book. Uh, what are we going to read? Well, I'm reading Stephen King. So that's what we're reading. That was okay. my life when I was a child. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so I, um, when I, my, um, my grandparents used to babysit me while my mother was at work. Um, my grandmother, um, would, would babysit me and then my grandfather would come home and then my mom would come home after my grandfather and pick me up. But between the time my grandfather worked the steel mill, um, it was the first black foreman for um, for U.S. Steel. And um, so he would um, he would come home and um, from a long day at the steel plant, you know, and my job at two years old was to read the newspaper to him. Um, Like that was like something that I was told that I was supposed to do. That was how I contributed. And he would just sit in his easy chair and, you know, and my grandmother got upset at first where she was like, what do you, you know, she, she came into the room and saw me like on, on the floor with the newspaper. She's like, Oh, Christopher, take, you know, take that away. That's for grownups. And, and my grandfather was like, Mabel, give that back to him. She's like, Lanza, what are you, the baby she's not supposed to have paper. And she's like, and he's like, he's reading it. And she's like, he can't read as a baby. And my grandfather snatches the paper away from my grandma, puts it back on the floor and says, Christopher, what's that word say? And I go, the. And my grandmother says, very good. Well, what about this word? And 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 she, and she's like, and I'm like, journal. And he go, and and my grandmother figures, okay, well, he knows the name of the paper. Good job. And she tries to take it away from me. And my grandfather takes the paper back and she goes down there and says, all right, I want you to read that paragraph. So I say. So I say President Ford um, has now looked at now looking into the Watergate investigation, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, and, she, and my grandma was like, how is he doing that? And, uh, you know, and she's like, he reads, leave him alone. And, that, and that's what I did every day because um, because my mom taught me to read because she didn't know you weren't supposed like starting at about a year and a half old when I could start talking. That's when I started learning to read because she didn't know you weren't supposed to be able to do that. Like she it just didn't make sense that like, you know, he's a person, so, you know. And now's now's time to start reading. So I I would um so that's I was this weird kid doing that. And then I would do stuff like um 
Uh, my mother, I watched Sesame Street and stuff like that. Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. I I, I enjoyed those sort of things because because I was too. But also, I was watching. I you know we had one television. You know, I'm old kids. Um, we had one TV <laughs> and you know no cable yet. So there was a lot of my mother was going to watch what she was going to watch. So in 1976, when um when uh when when Roots came out no way in hell my mother wasn't gonna watch roots so yeah, we sure. watched roots together movie I, was, I was two years old and i was and i i watched roots and and my mom always thought it was very important so it was we're gonna watch roots which um she'd read i don't think i read it roots with her i might have i don't know um but um uh, alex i don't remember haley? alex haley okay um but we watched it together on tv and then every night we'd watch roots and then we'd have a discussion about slavery <laughs> like that, that you know, when I'm two, and again, not dumbed down. Other than my mother would explain stuff that I didn't know what it was, but she'd just explain it because she wanted us to have a well, just me at the time because my brothers weren't born yet. So that was like my childhood. So as a kid, for me, it was always you know, cultural studies was just what we did. My mom wouldn't have known the term at right. the time, and it was just what we did. So then um, I start getting into wrestling and superheroes at the same time around the time I was six or seven. So that's later. And my mother, my mother apparently liked wrestling as a little girl because my brother, her brothers, my uncles, um, they liked it. But um, but they didn't um, she didn't really care for it. So she wasn't really watching it. And like, basically I started, I got more into wrestling. My grandfather liked it, but I got more into wrestling once we had a second TV that I could watch. Right, um, right. And, you know, there's a lot of WWE, uh, you know, Saturday, uh, uh, um, Saturday morning. And, you know, oh, wow, when we eventually got cable, you know, primetime wrestling, sure. um, primetime wrestling, which is the precursor for, for the kids out there. It's precursor to, to Monday Night Raw. So I would, I would watch that. And I had a fascination with it, but it never even occurred to me to do it until until um, after college. I basically I, I I started training as a wrestler. I was into martial arts. I, I'd taken some karate classes and stuff like that. But um, yeah. but um, I started training as a wrestler. I was twenty. I don't know. It was two thousand. I was probably twenty four, twenty five, something something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I was even older. Um, I was um, I was probably like twenty seven or twenty eight. And I basically I saw an ad in um, on the internet for wrestling school, and I thought I, I literally thought to myself, well, that might be fun, and I can probably write a paper about that if nothing else. So that's literally why I went to wrestling school. Um, right, I was right. just like, I, I went there, and they were like, hey, this is um, this is uh, they're like, well, you know, it's it's it, it's not cheap. It's like um, it, it, you know, it's like three thousand dollars for the year. And I was like, perfect, gym membership sounds great. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a grown up. I have a job. <laughs> I was like, and I was 28 training with like 16 year olds. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, uh, yeah, I can, I can afford three grand in a year. You know? And and that's, and I think, I think that's what it was. It was whatever it was something like that. It was, um, yeah, yeah. might've been like 2,800. It was more, it was more, it was, you know, it was a couple hundred bucks a month basically. And I was right. like, yeah, I'll do this. And I did that um, for I, my goals in wrestling. <laughs> I honestly I was like, if I can wrestle one match ever, that's good enough. Um, yeah, that was, uh, and I did it. I ended up doing it for like eight years. But um, but my goals were really, really simple. It's like I was like, if I can understand this well enough to write an academic paper, because before I went back to school, before I went to grad school, 
I was doing, you, know, you talked about PCA in particular, the Pop Culture Association um, is a um, is one group, but I was basically doing academic conferences for fun because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and, the, and I was I was designing computer software for as my day job at the time. But I was like doing what is now my job, what is now our job, what you right. do as well. I was I was like, you know, it'd be fun. What if I what if I, you know, go to an academic conference and write a paper and do homework? That sounds great. And my <laughs> wife or my girlfriend at the time, Stephanie, at the time, at this time, I'm, you know, I'm working full time and she was in grad school. And then now it's reversed. Now it's um, me. Well, I guess I am working full time again, but me being the grad student when she she was working on her doctorate, I was working full time job. Now it's the exact opposite. But she was, you know, I was like, I'm going to go to this academic conference for for fun. And she'd say, you have fun. I I will see you when you get back (laughs) because she had to go to them, you know, for work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why would anybody want to? And I don't want to right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, and I'm and I'm and I'm like let's let's look at Roland Bart and Adorno and talk about wrestling. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Why would anybody want this? Um, that's but that was that was my life for for years. Um, and and then eventually I got to the point where it's just like um, I like this way way better than I like my actual job job of, right. of going to computer gig, computer, yeah. you know, going to <laughs> yeah. I'm like so, what if I could just do this all the time and and so i you know i basically gave up a you know viable career um yeah to go back to grad school and 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 do something that i enjoy and I, and honestly i'm i'm way happier this way i mean okay here's the thing designing computer software is a really good job and it pays really really well but i wasn't happy it pays sure. way better than being being a college professor particularly in, yeah. in the struggle of how adjuncting works but i was but i'm Honestly, I'm just I'm a lot happier now um, because I didn't really I was really good at being a software designer, but I didn't care about it. I had no sure. passion for it. I, w- I was never going to host a podcast on software design. I mean, right. there, I listened to some those those exist. It's just I'm not something I'm interested in. When, when I realized that I was such an insane person that I was literally going, you know, I was traveling across the country to talk about marks for right. free right. because that's what I enjoyed, you know? Yeah. So. I like that moment you say when you come up in your childhood and your mom is just providing you this education of talking about the things mm-hmm. in the world. And you say, well, this is, you know, the, the cultural criticism of, of, of what you do now professionally, right? And that observing the world around us and kind of picking it apart and, and understanding it. Uh, mm-hmm. And shit, you're the, you're the person that told me for the first time that I did cultural criticism. And I, I, remember, I remember it was one, at one of these conferences and being like, but I'm a fiction writer. And I just kind of was thinking in my hotel room about that. And I was like, oh, shit, I have been doing this for years. But you were the first one to say it to me. It was yeah. funny anyways. Um, so I thank you for that. Um, and so your, yeah. your early wrestling training, man, tell me – I like hearing about the first week, first couple days. Tell me about that breaking <laughs> you in thing. And, 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 and you're an in-shape guy, right? Like I, I know I've gone – yeah. bunked with you in a hotel room before at a conference and you're like well i'm going to the gym this morning or whatever and i'm like well i'm gonna go have a cigarette and i'll see you after yeah. or whatever you know and um so i know you're a, you you work out and, and stuff like that but tell me wrestling training i'm working out again I, 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 
just for for setting the premise of when we are for future listeners, right? But remember, um, in America, in the world right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Right, right. right <laughs> so, right. so, um, so I have, um, I, I, I'm also no longer an active wrestler, but I very much fell out of shape during quarantine. Right. Um, I am working to reverse that now, and I'm a crazy person. So, yes, I do enjoy working out. I enjoy. Yep. Um, I decided that I was going to drop my pandemic weight. Two months ago. Cool. So in the so in the last two months, I've lost twenty nine pounds because I am an insane person who. Yeah. I mean, but like because I will train like a pro wrestler when I decide that when I decide, oh, it's time to get in shape. I'm like, oh, well, I put on 30 pounds of fat. Well, that can't be. So so now we're going to, you know, we're we're, going to hit the well, not hitting the gym because I'm afraid of germs. So I won't go there. But like but like I will I am perfectly willing to just change everything about the way I eat and to train like Rocky and do the montage. uh, (laughs) But it's the it's the one thing that I was able to do that um because again i really was old i was very old when i started wrestling for i mean not really i was 28 so but my training partner and my tag team partner for a long time was uh was a kid whom i tend to call shima um because that was his wrestling name when 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 we were training and it was his name on the indies uh, Shima Zion. Um, it's not his real name. It doesn't matter. But you are more likely to know him if you're a TNA fan as DJZ, or if you're a WWE NXT fan. He is currently Joaquin Wild, um, one right. of my best friends. And I met him. I met him. We started the same day. Um, nice. And Shims was uh, 15, going on 16 when we started. And he has the well he has two benefits over me first off he's really good i mean there's a reason there's a reason he's with the fed now um he's right kid's great and was obviously that great when we started i'm just like wow you're going somewhere also 15 year olds bounce and 28 year olds don't (laughs) and that was that was that was that was immediately obvious to me when i first start wrestling that you know you know if, if Sheens takes a bump and he, you know, gets right back up, if I take a bump, uh, bump is, uh, have you ever had wrestlers on the show before? You've had wrestlers oh, yeah. on the show yeah, before. Yeah, that sure. hurt. yeah. So, um, Flat back. Uh, bump is, yeah, bump is, uh, uh, yeah, yes. When I started, I'm like, okay, boom. Okay. Give me a second. Now I can get up. You know, <laughs> it's just a lot of, cause, sure. um, cause that's, the, that's the first day. The first day of wrestling school is, um, two big dudes, um, Three big dudes, um, Shirley Doe, Glenn Spector, and and uh, and Super Hentai, my three trainers, would just pick us up and throw us down on our backs over and over again. And that went on for two hours. Boom, boom. Okay, you still want to be here? That's that's wrestling training for day sure, one. And sure. and I'm and you know when um when we started when I when my class started, I think there were twelve of us that started, and I think four of us finished. Okay, um, it's. It, it's rough and you know that was a, and it was a year-long course and it was like me and me and three 16 year olds you know finished <laughs> right, this right. course and um because they're in better shape and i was a crazy person who just really really wanted this i also had a benefit of i had taken like i said i'd taken a bunch of martial arts classes and um so i taken taken jujitsu which meant I knew how to fall. Right. Um, the difference was in Aikido Jiu-Jitsu, anytime somebody pushes you, first off, I'm trying not to fall. And then once I do, once I realize I'm falling, I'm trying to roll not in a way back. that right. you're not in wrestling. In wrestling, you're trying to flat. And so it was there was a lot of untraining my mind For sure. to get myself to like not 
try to roll back to my feet every time somebody body slammed me. Right. Um, cause, um, but once, I, but it did help me in that I was never afraid of, of pain. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh it's like, Oh, this is going to hurt. Oh, well, you know, that, what, what can I, what can I learn from this pain is always the way that I approached everything in my career. And, and also a lot of it is, um, let me see if I can do this. Cause again, I, I keep joking about being old, but that was really old to start. 28 know, was really, sure. really old to, to, to be starting this. And I was, and it was a lot of me going, you know, I having the mentality to go, can I do this? I know my limitations. I'm 28 years old. I've been smoking for a decade plus, right. <laughs> you know? So, so, um, um, you know, what, you know, what do I have to adapt in order to be able to live a piece of this lifestyle right. was was where where it was hard for me and and just for me it was it was everything about my everything about my wrestling career was was being unwilling to give up so like worst injury i got um i've got a bad shoulder now um i dislocated my shoulder uh during my first year of training i ripped it completely out of the uh, out of the socket had to go to the hospital um have it reset and i you know not stop it so i've got problems now i've got ligament damage that just um not quite bad enough for surgery mm-hmm, but if it gets mm-hmm. any worse it will be so right, um right. so it's um it's just what i've dealt with since um you know since 2000 so for 20 years now 22 21 years i've just had this bad shoulder and it's it is what it is since i mean i guess 2001 2002 whenever i broke whenever i pulled it out and so it's just, that's my life now. And you learn to deal with it and you learn to sort of, you know, is this going to be part of your life or not? Because you are, if you're going to be a pro, a pro wrestler, you're going to get hurt. That's sure. the, that's what you're signing up for. There is no, um, well, this won't be me. I'll be smart. And I'm like, no, you're smart. So you're going to get hurt, hopefully less bad than somebody who's not as smart right. because you'll at least if, if you can keep your wits about you and control the injury as best you can, Minimize. but you are going well, to get, get injured because, because that's, that's just what it is. And this is, this is true for um, non-performative martial arts as well. Um, I've done a little bit of training for, well, I've done a little bit of training for um, um, MMA, but before that, I just, I took, I took karate, I took a K jujitsu and I took a little bit of Kung Fu. And in all of those, Oh, and I took, um, uh, um, I, I took, um, Kinjutsu, uh, sword fighting, Japanese sword fighting. Cool. The first day of sword fighting class, <laughs> Sensei Dave, um, says, says to us, he says, we are playing with swords. You are going to get cut. You are going to get hurt. That's how this class works. If you do not want to get hit, you know, we're starting with wooden swords. We're starting with, um, with, uh, rit- Shinai, uh, rattan swords. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, Kendo stick, um, sure, yeah. <laughs> this is what we're, we're using for, but this you're going to get hit in the head it's going to hurt a lot understand that if you're going to do this you're going to get hurt you're going to get cut that's what we're you're signing up for if you do not want this do not take this class because that that's just how it works so you need to get past that fear in order to go to the next step because when you get hit in the head with a kendo stick it fucking hurts hurts it's so it's so bad this is the worst thing that would happen i was i was the same thing with this and the same thing with a steel chair and wrestling right um if you've ever taken a chair shot um you know uh, your listeners have heard you know, you know wrestling is stage but it is not fake 
Right. Getting hit with a chair hurts. If you get hit with a chair, it is the worst thing that happens to you that day. Nothing else matters. <laughs> like the second that chair hits your head, you're like, "This is today is the day that I was hit with a steel chair." And just let me let me plan the rest of my day around this because there's ringing and it's painful and there's a big welt on the back of your skull, you know. And like the smart thing that you're trying to do, if you know if you know you're taking a chair shot to the head, you're trying to be smart by aiming for aiming your head at the chair so that a hard part of your head hits it. That's the trick. Right. And it's like, <laughs> and that's the best you've got. So like, you're still going to get hit and you're like, can I get hit such that like, it does the least, the least damage to my skull as it can. And I maybe end up with not a concussion. And once you're with that mentality, you're like, Oh, how do I, try to not have a concussion but i'm still <laughs> gonna take the shot you know <laughs> right right there's no so way like, around so the that, impact so, yeah yes the and the and the impact sucks and you know and i've had a concussion and this is like the just the stupid the stupidness of what wrestling is and i loved it i loved it for a long time but i also knew that um I knew from day one that my time was limited because I was starting older and i knew i was not the kind of athlete to where um you know I'm I'm not I'm not Terry Funk. Right, um, sure. <laughs> and right. and I can't, you know, and and you know, I do have a career where my job is to think, you know, and to and I do have I've got arthritis in my knee that was starting started young. I had um I was I started um I started having like symptoms of um, arthritis runs in my family and my knee is bad and I started having symptoms of that around the time that I started wrestling. So again, my time was limited. There's just there. That's how it was. And I had to, you know, I had to enjoy every moment of it. And then I got to the point where I just couldn't really keep up to it. And right. I was like, I guess I'm done now. Um, I've wrestled, you know, I've come back for some special things since then. Like the, the place I used to work, you know, they'll have like a, you know, oldies night where I'll come in and, you know, <laughs> I'll do yeah, like a retro um, night. And uh, yeah, or, you know, uh, Sheen's uh, uh, Joaquin Wild when he, retired from the indie scene which means um that he, we were we were making this big uh, big deal of it being his final match in iwc the, the first place we either of us worked yeah it's his final match in iwc so um i came back and was his manager for one night because he was my old tag team partner so it was just like right nice. yeah you know, just the so same same place he started and then he was he was retiring because he was starting he, he was getting signed with NXT. It hadn't right. been announced yet, but it was it was pretty obvious to all the fans for sure. going somewhere because he was right. yeah, he was young and and um when he when so so I, I came back for that and and I'll you know I'll always show up when they call me. And then the only other match that I've wrestled in the last couple of years was um some a friend of mine, another tag team partner of mine, decided he was going to he he posted on Facebook. It's like I wanna I'm gonna you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a battle royal, but with like, you know with like 150 people and he's like I bet that's probably a world record and it turns out the world record is like 147 so yeah it's a world record and cool. it was like if you he's like I'm gonna break the Guinness world record and it's like if you ever do that yeah I'll come I'll come out of retirement and do that and I thought it was I thought I was joking and then like literally like six months later he's like okay I've talked to the Guinness people I talked to these four promotions <laughs> and, and he's like and, and, and he's like and I'm like you're seriously doing this he's like yeah you're still doing it right and I'm like yeah, you get 150 yes. guys. I, I guess in. I am. I'll be number 138 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I well well no because um because when you called because Guinness has very he wanted he wanted to do this for real. We're gonna break the Guinness World Record and his original plan was Royal Rumble style and I love Royal I love Royal Rumble. Oh, Rumble Royal Rumble, Rumble is the yeah. uh, well Royal Rumble but everybody you know t- two minute entries right entrance and I and I thought um 
I always thought this was the, this would be brilliant. If you had one, if you had 150, 200 people, uh, however many you, you had, and, and it would just take, you know, but, but make them like five minute entrance. And the show was just going to be like a day long. Right. 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 And yeah, he was like, you know, day. and if you, if you're coming in at three in the morning, you're yeah. And I was like, I'll, you know, book me, you know, give me slot, like, you know, 90, I'll come in at 3 a.m. and just wrestle for half an hour and then and I'm out, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> well, Guinness doesn't do it that way. You know, Guinness's record for about it's for battle royals, not Royal Rumbles. Uh-huh. And they, everybody has to start in the, in the ring at the same time. So we had a, we did it. Do uh, you remember WCW used to have World War Three where they put three. three rings together? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We did that. We had th- we had three wrestling rings strapped together in the arena, and then and we ended up having. I think he had a hundred. I think cause once he once he started like booking indie talent, everybody wanted to be a part of this. So I think we had 187 people or something like that. Oh my god, um, lucky number one eight seven. In like <laughs> something like that, something like that. A hundred. I don't remember the exact number, but he but he basically had us in there for and and they rang the bell and we put on this battle royal and that was like the first time and i, I had a blast doing that um battle royals <laughs> are a little different because you know a lot of people you know again i'm old but i'm in pretty good shape i'm not i'm old i'm, I'm 47 i'm not i'm not that old um but and and this was two years ago so i was 45 right but i was like um but i was like i'm i'm old i can do this i can you know i can go out there and i can um uh with a battle royal it's not there's not too much like flippiness or anything you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's not especially with 180 people in the ring it's yeah. just there's just no room yeah so it's a lot of punching people and stuff and yeah, punch yeah. punch punch kick and then um and i and i did that for you know i was in i was in a good a good while for you know i was in more than half an hour before um getting press slammed out of the ring and like, nice. and you know you can find that footage online that was that was that was great it was just it was nice to be back in there and do something and then um you know i've got like just friends of mine who are in the industry still who are younger um sean phoenix was uh, sean is a uh, he's a he's a big he's got an indie career going on now he's a a big guy uh, but he's a he's a local guy i've known him since he was eight or you know because when i when i started he was an annoying kid who just used to come to our I mean, and come to our matches and like knew but he was that kid who's there yeah. you you know you've yeah. worked yeah, you, know, sure. you, you were a referee and you yeah. know you know the young kid whose parents just drop him off three hours before the show he's hanging around yeah <laughs> no because because they just they just want him out of the house so three hours before the show they drop him off and he's eight and he's just there so at this point he just knows everybody yeah. That was Sean. Yeah, yeah. And he grows up to love, continue to love wrestling. And now he's, he's, you know, he's still there, you know, but now he's working. And, um, and he was, when, when I came back, he was like, Oh, great. Now, now you're going to be back. You're going to be back in. You're going to, you know, you'll be, um, you're going to get the bug again. You're, 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 you're back to stay now. Right. And I'm like, and I just, I remember him saying that to me online when, when, when it, after the thing was over and I was like, kid, you, you know, I love you. I really do. And I'm proud of you for, the career that you've had and i had a blast today i'm retired again <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, it's like i was like kid you are 22 you are younger now than i was when i started right 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 right. <laughs> i'm done i'm i'm so done i cannot do or it's 24 or whatever he is you know i was like i i cannot like, my body just will not keep up to this oh, but yeah. I, but i do love it i it, it is um it is I don't know how to explain it to anybody who's never done it. Part of it is the danger just because there's an adrenaline junkie part to it. Part of it is the artistry of it. Um, 
you know, you've got, I mean, your listeners, I, I, I mean, I've listened to your shows where you've got, you have, you've, you've had some, some really diverse guests, oh, but yeah. my assumption is that your listeners understand the artistry of fighting, right? There is so much, um, I believe so. if you understand what you're doing, there is a beauty to, uh, to it that um, it's going to tie back into the whole writing versus fighting thing. There's a beauty to telling a story with violence. Yes. Um, there is a, there is an aesthetic beauty to being able to train and, and, tell a story with your body and i don't mean a story like wrestling's fake fictional i mean just the idea of you know it's called martial arts for a reason because there is artistry about it so that was amazing for for me and also just the fun of it right like just it is i can watch old videos of myself right and the you know uh, one of my one of my my signature moves was whenever um whenever I would take a, an Irish whip into a rope into the ropes mm-hmm. uh, if I get thrown into the ropes I would bounce off and I would come back and um, um somebody would lean over like they were gonna do, give me a back body drop and the classic thing that what people do is they'll leapfrog over a back body drop or something like that right well I would do this thing where I would do um, a pummel horse vault over somebody's back. I would, that was just one of my signature things. I would just flip over their back and I'd land on the other side. They would turn around, like, where did he go? And I would super kick him in the face. Yeah. That was like one of my, one of my signature moves. And I loved doing it. And just like, I've watched even now being an old fogey who doesn't do this anymore. I look back and I was just like, I so miss doing that. I miss the pop of the crowd when people are like, right. Oh, he's done that. He's done the thing that he always does. And of course they know I'm going to do it because literally I've done it. 50 times it's your signature 100 yeah. times or whatever they've seen me do it yeah it's it but like the fact that people and i was a bad guy for most of my career but the fact that people loved that i did this spot was fun and it's part of you know it's and it's hard to explain to somebody who's never done it where the enjoyment of of that comes from and then also you know it's just like even even for for things that um uh, a good friend of mine uh marshall gambino gambino brothers one of um uh this guy I, I trained with um and marshall's uh one of his finishers is um is a clothesline he does he does the clothes he does he throws a clothesline um the same way bradshaw does clothesline right. lariat just yeah. like he's yeah massive lariat uh marshall's close to 300 pounds and he takes your head off off of it and my job when um when I get clotheslined by Marshall Gambino is to how many times can I flip before I hit the ground? That's right, 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 that, <laughs> that's what, that's that what you're doing, thing. you know? Yeah. And, and he hits you like a Mack truck and like, in, and it hurts, but like just looking at it, one of my favorite things in wrestling was always taking a clothesline from Marshall Gambino was yeah. just like, how do I sell this? Like I've been hit by a tank. Because right. that's how it feels. And also, but also like, I just like, um, I was just always so proud of myself whenever I could, you know, can I get the entire 360 flip before I, right. bam. And it's like, yes. And I don't know how to explain that to someone who's never been a wrestler, you know, yeah, the joy in, and that you feel in the, yes, I died there. That was so awesome, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it really is part of it. And it's part of the artistry of it. It's part of the, the fun of of just you know of combat sports and that's what i enjoyed right and i and that's what i miss i i, I miss that and then, you know, i miss hanging out with my friends and stuff but i talk to them on facebook it's fine yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, know? Yeah. you know um 
it was, um, you know, now a lot of my research is superheroes and I was, well, I was a super villain at the end. I was a superhero sometimes, but I was, but essentially I, you know, I was a real life comic book character for, for a decade there. And that was, that was amazing. Even from the non-academic, I mean, I might've started it thinking, well, you know, what kind of papers can I write from this? But I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to pretend it wasn't fun. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the hell out of that life and I got to meet people who, you know, not that I, not that I'm super good friends with them um, the way I am with um, uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Wilde, but like just over the time, over, over so sharing years, locker rooms with interesting right. and people I, that you've I, seen. I, and yeah, right. I developed something of a friendship you know like they know who i am i've i've right. hung out with aj styles regularly i've hung out with steve with, with, with cm punk regularly Corey graves who's now an announcer for wwe i literally was the photographer at his wedding yeah um, nice. um nice. uh he's not divorced but but yeah, but yeah. but still he knows he knows who i am um one of the just people who are still on the indie circuit anthony kingdom james um is a promoter in Canada, and, um, and he's been around. Uh, Joe Dombrowski, who's um, the voice of many, many promotions. He's, um, but like these are just people that I know relatively well, who are still friends of mine, and and that's that's great. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Um, Ray Rowe, who's um, uh, uh, Eric the Viking in um, in WWE, he's a good friend of mine. Um, uh, Shane Taylor, uh, Ring of Honor. Shane Taylor is a really good a good friend of mine. So like knowing these people is just um, you know, these are guys who are still in the industry, yeah. but knowing them well and watching them become, you know, far more than what I've ever done. And that's that's those are just naming people who are big. Right. I've got a sure. lot of um, random just the, the Gambino friends, good friends of mine, uh, Jake Garrett, these are random guys who never made the big time who I love just as much. Those sure. are, you know, those are those are my friends. And that part of the lifestyle is, you know, there's um. I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that um, if, when I talk about like, you know, Marshall throws a, a lariat, like a, like a Mack truck, a clothesline, you know, it hurts. It's dangerous. Basically there's a big 300 dude pound dude running at you as hard as he can. And he's going to aim his, his arm at your neck. And there is an, and I, and I'm going to try to do a backflip as he hits me. Right. There's so much trust that goes into that. And I'm willing to do that. Yeah. When somebody, when someone that big, is running at you with his arm out like that. You can't do that without just a serious amount of trust because it is, I mean, as much as it hurts when done, right. If it is done wrong, he breaks your neck. Right. And, and so, so there is something, uh, the, the, the friendships that you develop when, you know, you could take a clothesline from anybody, but in order to get the kind of timing down that we had, like, that's just a, you know, just doing that same spot over with that same guy a hundred, a thousand times um, in training to where I just trusted him a lot. Um, and it's just, and there's a lot that, uh, that, that the friendships that you build in wrestling based on that sort of thing, they just they're special in a way that it's hard to explain to someone who's not done it there's a camaraderie that that meant a lot to me and it carries on you know in other ways in other other aspects of your life right like i i honestly believe that outside of the personal level i think being a pro wrestler made me a better teacher which sounds silly but 
Like I, I learned it. a lot. Yeah. yeah. I learned a lot about performance. I learned a lot of teaching is performance. 100%. Teaching is, you know, is cutting a promo in front of a classroom for every sure. day for, you know, um, and, and yeah, I'm not talking about how, how I'm going to kick their ass, but it, but it really is very, very similar um, in many ways that um, I find um, I know a lot of people who do what we do who say, well, you know, I'm, you know, maybe a better teacher. I wouldn't took an improv class. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, that might work. I, you know, I took professional wrestling lessons. That's, that's where, <laughs> where, that's where I learned that. Right. Um, and it's, you know, I have a podcast, I have two podcasts and how do I do those? Because I've practiced at talking for an hour on a stretch, right? Like that's, right, right, right. And, and it makes it, it makes it better for it. Like one thing improves how we do the other things. So, yeah, I think that there's a, you know, the more, variety of interests you have and have that ability to transfer some of these skills here and there i think that's the kind of best way to approach being weird like we are and that we're (laughs) into weird shit and how do i integrate this all into have a you know uh, have a normal existence right it's like oh well i can i love wrestling so i'll do it and then write about it right and then Mm -hmm. you mentioned the comic books thing and so what else are you interested in? Thank you for sharing your your wrestling history with us. It's super dope. Thus, you are on the Riders and Fighters podcast, clearly in the fight world. But what about your other pop culture writing interests? We know you wrote about wrestling. We've done some of that together and so on. Mm-hmm. But what about pop culture writing interests? That's my actual – I mean, wrestling was, was the way in because when I started um... – uh, well, not when I started with PCA because I was already, do- but like, um, no, I guess when I started with PCA because I knew that's what I was aiming for. I, you know, I, it was something that no one was doing, um, at least that I knew on the academic circuit at the time. So it made me interesting. Plus, like, um, I was at the, at that time, not only was I writing about it, there were a few people writing about it, but I was the only one who had any experience right. also doing it. Um, there are a few others now. We actually, yeah. you and I know them, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but uh, but I had actual experience in the ring on top of on, on top of like, you know, some some far less academic experience than I have now. But comics are a big thing for me. Movies right. are a big thing for me. Television shows. I'm starting to get into the gaming world. Um, we'll talk at the end. We'll talk about uh, my podcast, which you've been of on. But like one of one of my co-hosts um, is very into um, doing research. Um, her academic research is on video games nice. and culture. Nice. So I'm just I'm learning a lot from Katya on on how games work in general. And that that leads me to see those as, you know, we're exploring narrative and we're exploring how narrative convention is affected by culture. Um, that's what we do on the show. So I, so anything I can touch that feels real um, and by real, like, like popular matters to me yeah. in a way that in academics, a lot of times popular doesn't matter. Right. Like a lot, a lot of times. That's a never ending conversation in our world. Doing yeah, what we do. Yeah. 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 Well, what, why study know, wrestling? Why study comic books? Yeah. Right. Right. And oh, and it's this is it's better now. Well, oh, way better. Well, part, partly it's better than it used to be. But also I and you, you and I both have gotten far enough along in a career that like I've I've been able to create a world where I just 
surround myself with academics who think like I do. Uh, I don't sure. mean that in no, a, you in find a, your people. It's like any yeah. other industry. You find yeah. your people that gravitate towards you. Yeah. And you and not I, in a group yeah. thinking. You know, we still have arguments, but uh, but sure. like I but we found the people who respect the popular as though it's value. My my thing was always I, I got into an argument once with a professor of mine, someone who I like a lot. Um, and her argument was, you know, there's, there are books and there's literature. And she's like, and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, and she, and she just, for, for example, she said, well, take, you know, 50 shades of gray. It has no redeeming value. It's just, you know, it's just um, her, her argument was, this is just salacious fluff. And, and I was like, well, but salacious fluff has value. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because that woman has made a billion dollars selling millions and millions of copies of books to millions and millions of women around the world. This is some level that you or I will never attain. You know, she did this by keen in like now I've okay. I'm going to be judgmental as a critic and as a writer and say, I don't particularly like those books. I've tried to read them. They're not very good in my view. However, not everything needs to be for Christopher Maverick. This right. is not for me. She wrote a series of books that sung, sung to millions of women on this planet who you might say is salacious fluff, but they're people who've been begging for salacious fluff and no one has cared about them, right? Like she found something that has an audience that, and, and that needs to matter. That's always been my thing. Like I, like someone has to matter there and I cannot in good conscience blow off the middle-aged housewife in Iowa and then expect anybody to care about my comic book and wrestling BS. Right. Like, like, right. The dismissal, <laughs> the dismissal is what I hate and that I always defend it. I'm like, how can you say 50 shades of gray doesn't matter? How can you say keeping up with the Kardashians doesn't matter? And right. I always defend that. Like, I always defend Justin Bieber. All these things that I don't mm-hmm. like, I always like to defend it. And, and even if it's not my thing, I think it's right. still, or whatever. I have to defend the opportunity to study those things. And I would love to read mm-hmm. some, some, and there's scholarship about 50 shades of gray now yeah. the, the, at our conferences and things like this. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. And I'm, I see it very much the same way as you. I'll tell you one of the things that I, that I absolutely adore lately. And I, and I'm not, I've not, I've didn't we did an episode of the show on it, but we haven't uh, I haven't done any actual published. Um, well, I guess I see again. I'm, I'm still navigating. That's another question of what what podcasts are. And I'm still navigating this. We've done an episode. I haven't done an academic journal um, publication of it, right. but I am very right now. I'm very into the idea of Fast and Furious. Um, I, <laughs> yes, I, I mean, and I am, I am unabashedly, I am non-ironically, I, I said this on my show and I'm going to say it <laughs> on yours. I believe, um, completely non-ironically that Fast and the Furious is the most important, <laughs> the most important message about race of our generation race and race race and ethnicity of our generation i think it is brilliant i think what vin and his crew and by crew i mean like just i I don't mean the actors i mean like the writers and directors that have been working with him i think that what they're doing right now is so important (laughs) (laughs) and and i and i i really really mean that and i think now is he personally he is a ridiculous human being he's a but what, fascinating weird character but he's yeah. fascinating because like i i've seen interviews with him where he's where he's like every time there's a new fast and furious movie he's um 
he's like, well, you know, this is the, the what we're really going to a new level with with the new Fast and Furious Nine. Um, you know, there's a lot of heart in this movie. It's a lot of a lot deeper message than than this before. And I'm hearing that there's there's real Oscar buzz about this one. He's hearing <laughs> this from himself, like, but he is but he is being completely non ironic. No, for sure, he absolutely one. He is the most sincere he human being so on the planet about and himself. He, absolutely means it and as you know he he believes he's doing the most important work and this matters and it matters to me not just because i'm making fun of him and i'm making fun of him here right but like the fact that as silly as it is and as serious as he takes it right this is a world where a family a natural family which includes vin diesel jordana brewster and john cena who are supposed to be full-blooded siblings somehow. They're, they're not like one of them is adopted, right? Like, I, like, this I, like, I want to see their parents, you know? Like- right. This, this, is some world, this is some world where Vin Diesel, who is of ambiguous ethnicity, um, and he, sa- and yeah. he says, he, um, Vin Diesel, the person, says that he, he doesn't know his father, but from, uh, from what his mother said, he believes that he was a black man. Um, his, his stepfather is a black man. His his mother is white. So he, yeah. he, he, he knows that there's some non-white ethnicity and you can look at him and you can uh, yeah, tell, yeah, he's right? something. He's not full yeah. anything. Yeah. He's and, a, and he, yeah, and, and sure. he doesn't know. Cause he didn't, you know, and I know, you know, I grew up with people like that who don't know their, for sure. Dad, right. Yeah. Like, so, so like, this is not, this is, um, it's something that, um, it's something that current liberal America of which I am part, does not like to address very often is like oh well you know you you know there's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of well we have to celebrate our ethnicity and you know we don't want to be post-racial so you know you, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be brown facing or yellow facing or black facing and it's like ben doesn't know what he is <laughs> yeah that matters okay yeah. and that he, he legitimately doesn't know and there are a lot of people like that so that so that matters and then he had the foresight or gall depending on how you look at it to cast a uh, Brazilian, I believe, Jordana Brewster is half Brazilian, half white woman, yeah. as his sister, yeah. and then a decade and change later, two decades later, cast John Cena, the whitest man in America, <laughs> <laughs> officially, full, yeah, yeah, as his full-blooded brother, and <laughs> and it worked for me. I saw, F- I thought F nine was amazing because it's, it's, it, it is ridiculous. And, you know, and the thing is, then, then thinks he's making Shakespeare, right. Then thinks that he is making this, this very Opus. serious Oscar, yeah. uh, Oscar thing. And like, you know, meanwhile, ludicrous knows exactly what movie he's in. And oh, ludicrous, is, ludicrous is having the time of his life. Like I've seen Luda interviews where he's, where he, he still does interviews. I just want to thank Ja Rule for being an idiot and walking away from the role. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, best like thing Luda, that happened to Ludacris. Yeah. Yeah. Ludacris knows this is, this is the best thing that's ever happened to him. Um, and, and, you know, and you see, you see Luda and Tyrese having a ball, right? You see, you know, you see Michelle Rodriguez having a blast. And I, and these people have created this world where, you buy like when I'm watching those films, <laughs> I absolutely 100% buy that Dominic considers Roman to be his brother. <laughs> like, and and it's like and it's like this. There's this message of family, it's family, this mal- yeah, yeah, yeah. And people make you know you see the memes. It's like great. It's, it's about family, it's, you know. And I'm like, but the message of these movies is that like. Not, not that the world's post-racial, not that race doesn't matter, 
but that race is part of who we are. And then we, um, you know, they, they, they participate in race wars is what they have. They call their auto wars. Uh, yeah. Where yeah. the race, race wars. wars if I could die. And I'm like, oh my God. Racing in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> race and wars. then they go. And then they go in there and they're like, but yeah, but, but everything is like, it's, it's not about, it's not about cars. It's about family. It's about everything. You know, I don't got friends. I got family. And it's all this family stuff because to Vin Diesel family is this acceptance of your brothers and sisters in the world as you have determined who they are. And the message is beautiful. (laughs) It is absolutely beautiful. And I think that, uh, and I, I, I think that, um, if you take this seriously and you and you study it with full scholarship, if you you know, if you actually consider what is really being done at this crazy epic storyline of petty car thieves, of petty electronics thieves who have now become globe trotting superheroes. <laughs> yeah, legit. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's what this I love. Is, yeah, the evolution. This is, yeah, of this it. is this Campbellian epic. <laughs> that, that like i think needs to be studied i think needs to be you know this is what pop culture studies is about because these movies are making billions of dollars worldwide the most eyes this, are on these types of movies yeah 100%. on this ridiculous story but i don't think it's just ridiculous i i think it is so amazing and like you think about like again the campbellian epic journey like uh jo- joseph campbell um the, the uh, hero with a thousand faces he he de- defines the monomyth and how mythic storytelling works dominic toretto was a vcr thief who is now yeah, yeah, yeah. a super spy and the movies progress in a way that makes sense they tell this storyline of of you know which you might or might not buy into but it is telling the storyline of racial acceptance and of uh, and of found family and it is doing this in these films that i think are brilliant and as ridiculous as they sound are they any more ridiculous than anything that happens in the MCU and is the MCU any more ridiculous than Macbeth or Moby Dick Right? right. Moby Dick is the story of a man chasing a whale. Yeah. And, and we treat it like it's the most important literature ever written. Right. And it is important. But I think that there's I think that there's a lot to say. And that's why, you know, uh, PCA, the conference we we met at, you know, changed my life. Right. Like it, it, it showed me that I can I can wander around this conference um, every year. And or well, it was virtual this year. It was on online, but but most years I can wander around this conference and I can see people talk about pro wrestling, and then I can go and give my, one of my talks on comic books, and then I, I I can walk into a room where someone is talking about the Bachelor and the Bachelorette and what yeah. this means to culture, and and I'm like, and that was one of the best talks that I ever went to because I'm like, I know nothing about these things. I'm gonna go learn, and it's what makes learning fun. It's what I try to do in in my classes. Is I try to get my students to engage with literature and and media in a broad sense where they're not thinking of school as this place that I go to study James Joyce and um and and Tolstoy and you know the the classic dead white guys and sure. Edgar Allan Poe uh Fitzgerald people who I love you know I yeah. I um Great Gatsby is one of my favorite books I know I don't mean to denigrate any of these things but literature shouldn't just be the study of um of these you know of these 15 dead white guys literature should be 
the study of how stories, the most important thing that we do as human beings is we tell stories of our lived experience. How can these, you know, what do these stories say about the culture around us? That's what cultural studies is. What, you know, and how do we generate the tools to talk about um, why Fifty Shades of Grey or Fast and Furious is as important as Shakespeare and Tolstoy? And I think they are. I think they absolutely are. And I think that now, now I also think that, um, you know, it's weird because the, the Academy in general, you know, you can look at like Ta-Nehisi Coates, who has, um, who has academic cred now because someone decided, Oh, well, we need to, you know, we want to expand beyond dead white guys. So here's a black gentleman who we can say is sophisticated and we can, and we can include him. And I'm a big Coates fan, but again, not the end of the world. Why can't Vin Diesel be there? And I think that Vin Diesel is there. I think he's doing something important. I think E.L. James, who does Fifty Shades of Grey, doing something important. Um, obviously, I think, um, well, Ta-Nehisi Coates also writes comic books. Yeah, I was about to say. But I was going to say, like, Stan Lee or, you know, or, or you know, all these things. Uh, Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen. People, you know, when you're studying comics, people will say, well, you know, comics, they'll say the graphic novel, you know, the sophisticated version of comics. It's not, you know, comic, yeah. <laughs> comic books are comic just more right? pages. But, right. Right. Well, and also <laughs> like 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 if you I've, I've joked about this, if you're teaching a class on intro to comic books, you, you know, uh, Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, Alison Bechtel's Stun Home, Mouse. <laughs> and um, you, know, you need to teach one of those books uh, or, you know, you need to teach. Three of those four books, you can leave one off, and the one you leave off is not allowed to be Watchmen. <laughs> like that, no, 100%, that, that's just how yeah. com- that's how comic studies works. You know, you you, you know, like may, maybe you you can maybe throw in you know, like Jimmy Corrigan, smartest boy on earth. Like there's you know like like you can leave, but like get five books and like and everybody teaches those right. Like everybody's like, oh, have you read Watchmen? Of course I've read Watchmen. I do this for a living, right? Yeah. But 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 like those the, like those are the serious, sophisticated comics that everybody teaches. You know, Alison Bechtel's Fun Home. It's like, oh yes, this is this is, this is serious literature. You're not like all you know. You know what? Yeah. It is serious literature, and Bechtel's Fun Home is a great book. Sure, but she is not the only gay author who's ever written Rick a comic Bo- book. Yeah, and she will say that, right? right. Like, there's so much out there, so much out there, where I think that I think gatekeeping is inherently bad. Yeah. Um. So for me, it's always about how can I make this most accessible to my students, and I don't need to gatekeep. What I need to do is open up the literary experience so that it's available to everyone so that everyone can have these conversations. So when, so I'm teaching you how, I mean, and I know it sounds gatekeepery, but I actually do mean it to be open. I am teaching you a way of thinking. I am teaching you a way of expressing yourself. When sure. I'm teaching you to write, I am teaching you, um, I think everybody comes to college thinking, you know, thinking their writing classes are going to be about, you know, how to conjugate verbs and stuff. Sure. And, like how yeah. to spell things the mechanics. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit. I, I just don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, like, I, I want <laughs> complex ideas. Right. I yeah. Want, and yeah. Th- that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, sure. It's like, you know, how do I teach you? Um, like I my first I open up classes all the time. You know, the, the first thing I teach, I'll, I'll walk in and I'll ask my freshman comp, comp class. I'll say, all right, here's the, um, you know, wel- welcome to college. Here's your first English class. I'm about to pop quiz first day. I'm going to we're going to write an essay quiz and I'm going to ask you the most important question anybody's ever going to ask you in college. Who's better, Cardi B or Billie Eilish? Go, you have 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go and they'll go, what, what do you mean better? And I was like, nope, nope, just write. 
that's what I want. Right. Because, right. because, because what I'm really asking you is I'm asking you now I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a fake dichotomy, right? It's fake binary. What if you don't like Billie Eilish or Cardi B? Well, you're screwed. No, you're not because you have to come up with an argument for what better means. Right. Um, and I've done another way. Yeah. Yeah, I've done I've done who's better Superman or Batman. Sure. I don't care. Right. You know, who's better between two sports teams. Right. It's like exercise. uh, Right. Yeah. Right. The the exercise is writing should be about expressing some idea. And yeah, I can give you a starter idea. Uh, you know, like I've done you know, Steelers or Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers or Patriots, you know, and right. what if you're not a football fan? Well, again, I don't really care. I right. can give you a starter idea, but really what I'm looking for is I am looking for you turning your personal ideas and your lived experience into um, a story, um, but not necessarily even a story, an argument, an right. idea. I, I want you to be able to express your ideas clearly and with backing. Um, I, I once had a non-academically, I had a, I had a, um, conversation with a coworker in my old life, my, my life as a software designer where she was like, well, you know, there are no bad ideas. And I was like, no, there are plenty of bad ideas. There are multiple good ideas. Oh, she said, there are no bad ideas. There are no wrong answers. Like there are wrong answers. There are bad ideas. Um, of all the right answers, I want you to be able to express why your right answer is good. Right. right? Like right, it, it, it's right. not an argument. Um, I don't, I've had students say, well, what do I, you know, I'll I'll ask them to make political arguments. And this one student wanted to write about why affirmative action was bad. And I'm like, "Mm, do you really want to try that in your class with, okay, dude. And and, and I really, we really discouraged it, but he insisted on doing it. And then he did poorly because his, his argument was essentially quoting a bunch of studies that show how affirmative action helps and how it doesn't really hurt white people. And then he would say, but I don't believe that. So it's wrong. (laughs) That's what he would say. And I was like, you can't do that. And he's like, well, why not? And I was like, well, because you have no evidence pointing to your idea. And it's like, well, how do I find that? And I was like, I'm not telling you that. That's your job is to figure, you know, can I? And and I was like, and honestly, as much as I believe in affirmative action, I do this professionally. I could make an argument against it. Oh, I'm the, just not going to. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right. And, and he's right. like, well, how do, and, and, and he's like, and, I, and he read it and he's like, well, what do I do? And I was like, you can't. And he's like, well, what do, he's like, well, I, I don't believe that it helps. And I was like, I don't care what you believe. Right. I care what you can prove. Right. You know, right, right, if right. you, if, if you are doing the research, you know, nobody made you choose this topic. My job is to teach you to express yourself and uh, writing is critical thinking. My job is to teach you to not have a preconceived notion of what your argument is going to be. I'm not teaching you to write to an echo chamber. I'm teaching you to explore an idea, come to a critical understanding of it, and then express your new critical understanding in an understandable way so that you can pass that knowledge on to somebody else. Um, It's not good enough. And I mean that from my own point of view, right? People write tons of stories that agree with me politically, but it's not, a, you know, it's not a good argument to say comics are, are important because um, right, right. I think so. It, you know, you, you need to be able to express yourself. You need to be able to, you know, the writing is about the journey. It's not about the end point. Right. Like it, like your essay needs to convince someone not that you're right, but at least that you have a point. Right. You know, like if you're just saying words. That's not writing. That's not useful. 
It's not, it's not an argument. It's not a point. It's just, you know, it's just you saying words. You have to tell, you know, you have to write in a way that I look at it as a reader, not as your teacher, but as a reader and say, okay, this guy's thought about some stuff. I might not agree with everything you said, but, but, he, but he's thought about some stuff. And I, I want to, I want to see where he continues to think, you know, take me on this journey. Sure. So that's, that's what I think of. That's what I think we are doing as a profession um, because not, you know, you don't have to be, everybody can write. No, not everybody can. And I, and I don't think you need to be a writer. I think you need to have some ability at it. Right. Like, you know, sure. it, it, I think we've fallen into this trap where, you know, anytime we're talking about something, a creative pursuit, right. Like writing or, you know, people, people say this about art all the time. You know, art teachers will say this thing. I hate when people say that they can't draw. Everybody can draw. No, everybody can't. Draw. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone can put a, can put pen to paper, but to pretend that like, you know, someone's you know that some art isn't better than other art or right. some writing right. isn't better than other writing that's disingenuous sure um i don't need to make you into i don't need to make you into into shakespeare yeah we're not to trying make to you into me yeah we're not producing yeah. english majors and writers we're not that's right not, you might get two per class you know but like yeah most of them are going to go great. do other things mm-hmm. and so which is yeah. Right. What what I need you to be able to do is I need you to be able to write a TPS report someday that doesn't put people to sleep before they finish reading it. Or even if it's not engaging, at least where people come out, come out of the day reading your your stupid financial report and understanding right. what you were trying to say. Yeah. You know what you were trying to argue. If it, you know if I you know if if you're writing a financial report or an earnings report or or whatever. Right. And you haven't gotten across the information that you were supposed to get across, then you have failed. And since I was the one who taught, taught you to write, I failed. Right. So, yeah, so that's my, that's that my job. It's the, you know, the, the writing thing is communication. And the mm-hmm. idea is that I say the simplest way is you want people to be able to pick up what you're putting down. And that's right. like effective communication and effective communication and writing is about the delivering of information or ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or both, right? And so, so long as you can communicate effectively in a way where I can pick up what you're putting down in terms of this, again, uh, an essay tackling some political or social issue or that mm-hmm. TPS report, right? You got to be able to communicate effectively to where either audience can pick up what you're putting down. So mm-hmm. I get you, man. And, I, I agree. And your audience might be sure. different. Exactly. Your audience can totally be different. I, I think there's there's different language that I use when... <laughs> That is writing. I might not write things down, but I have a general idea when I go out there and, you know, and I make an argument about, you know, you know, why I'm going to kick Jason Gorey's ass. (laughs) One of my another friend of mine who was one of my opponents very often. Right. If I like I know the story I want to tell the audience to get them behind, you know, why does bad guy Chris Maverick want to beat up good guy Jason Gorey? Right. You know, or, you know, why do they hate each other? Right. So, like, I'm communicating a story to a group of people in the audience, right? In the same way as when I am making an argument about why I think Vin Diesel is as important as Fitzgerald, I am communicating an argument to a group of academics. I'm using different language. I'm knowing my audience, sure. but I'm still trying to tell a story, right? right, right. And and I'm trying to, you know, even, even in the wrestling sense, right? The, the wrestling sense is got a fakeness about it because 
when I'm telling that story, I'm also trying to communicate to the, I'm trying to communicate subtly to the audience that my reasons are wrong because I'm a bad guy. Right. You know, right. Uh, uh, Jason was the good guy. He's got, you know, he's got to like, when I'm done telling my story, they've got to be behind him right. because he's the hero. He's the face in wrestling right. terms. And they need to hate me because my reasons for, for wanting this fight are really that I'm an ass, right? Like sure. I might, but, but like they need to believe that I believe them. Yeah. And they need to believe that I'm wrong. So right. that's a complex message that I'm trying to get across when I'm trying to convince people that, you know, that the argument that I just made about fast and furious about like the importance of this racial message that Ben Diesel was, you know, you need to believe that even if you disagree, you can, I mean, you're allowed to come across from, come away from this episode saying, no, those movies are stupid. Okay. Right. Right. You can sure. Agree with me, but I hope that your listeners see okay, Mav sees some stuff in this and let me at least pay attention enough to where I see, okay, I see where he's coming from, right? Yeah. I'm not going to watch this because this is a stupid car movie, right? I'm not, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> like, you might have people say that, but at least they'll say, you know what? I see where that's in here. Cause I'm, you know, you, you might not, um, I, I can, I'm just trying to think something very far away from what, you, what your listeners might listen to. And your listeners are going to be very varied, right? But like just trying to get as way for, far from fighting as possible, right? Bachelor or Bachelorette, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Sure. I'm a, oh God, I love, did you see Bridgerton? No. Bridgerton was amazing. Was Bridgerton it? was this a Netflix show based on these romance novels. Um, it was absolutely <laughs> amazing. I loved it. We did two shows on it. <laughs> great, great, great. It was so great. But I don't I don't expect everybody to like everything that I like, right? right? What I what I'm hoping for as a writer myself is I'm hoping that I can express myself in such a way as if if I, if you come away from an episode of my show or an academic journal that I write, either one, saying, you know what? He's got a point. He's, he's an idiot, but he's got a point. <laughs> you know, you can think I'm an idiot, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, if it, but if you, can, if you go, he's got a valid point. I, I, I see what he did there. Uh, that's that's enough for me that you know for sure. this this world is about translating ideas to each other that's that's what we do and yeah. culture is better you know if we're talking about multiculturalism being important mm. culture is better if we can translate those ideas because otherwise you end up with a bunch of people saying no because i said so you know and and right. i don't think that's a good argument whether you're whether you have a kindergarten education or you have a PhD, because I said so, is not sure, a I'm good argument. It. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I and I don't buy it. I don't buy it when I when I argue with a five year old, and I don't buy it when I argue with a sixty year old. And that's and I and I think they both try it. You know, yeah. I've seen people try it all the time. It's like no, no, because I said so is meaningless, and it's meaningless when you're arguing the importance of Shakespeare. It's meaningless when you're arguing why you don't why you don't want to eat Brussels sprouts. It, sure. It's meaningless. <laughs> uh, speaking of Fast and the Furious, I pulled this off my shelf. That is <laughs> Jesse's car, the Volkswagen from uh, uh, the Jetta, right from the, mm-hmm. the first movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Jesse. I'm a Volkswagen guy and a car guy, and I love the movie. So I got <laughs> some of the Hot Wheels anyway. Um, yeah, dude, I think uh, yeah, I think people will come away with that. Like I, my audience, that's part of the reason I did writers and fighters because I wanted writers to listen to me talk about fight stuff and, and yeah. understand and respect it. Then I wanted, you know, my fight fans, wrestling fans, stuff like this to stumble upon, you know, the weird poets and weird writers and journalists and stuff I run into and, and that I have had feedback 
already. People yeah. being like, hey, I'm not into fighting at all, but I've been listening to these, usually from the writing world. And they say, I've been listening to these, and they're fascinating. These people are great. I never knew. And that, yes, just so long as you respect and understand that, yes, boxers are important, right? Yes. MMA fighters matter. Like, and, you know, and, and pro wrestling You did a show like three respect, weeks ago. All that stuff, yeah. You did a show three or four weeks ago with, I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name, okay. but this woman who um, is doing, she's competing internationally in, like, uh, medieval combat. Yeah, uh, Lauren uh, Lauren Leakin, yeah, from the she Dallas was amazing. Physics. Yeah, shout out to Lauren. She, Everybody yeah, loves she was, that episode. <laughs> I mean, I, um, just like if she's out, listening to your 31. show, I just, she, new fan in me. Like I'm like I know nothing about this world, and yeah. it was riveting. No, yeah, <laughs> and and obviously, like I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm more likely to be convinced because you know, like when you said you were going to do the show, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, like <laughs> it's like you've got two. You know, like you've got uh, like I I've like you've got two things that I love, obviously, just, sure. same as you. Um, and I and I love the concept of it because. I mean, they are they are completely dissimilar, right? You could have just as easily done sports and and poetry, right? Sure, 100%. You know, you, it could, yeah. It's it. They're they're two things that are at first dissimilar, but let's put them in conversation with each other. And the fact that, like, for I mean, so I've literally done both, but so many of your uh, like you've you've had people on where you're like, oh well, I'm really just a I'm really just a fighter, but let me think about that. Yeah, I guess I do do some writing in my real life, and you know, and they, yeah. and they right, yeah. and they, and and that's always fascinating. So, like, I've I've enjoyed listening. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And so, we talked about your like academic pop culture writing. What about creative writing? Do you do like songwriting, poetry, short story stuff? You're working on a novel. Tell me, do you do any creative? <laughs> Used to, I, not as much. I mean, dissertation it eats your life. Sure, it, it it's really a whole does. different beast. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I wrote I, for years. I wrote an online web comic called uh, Cosmic Hellcats. Yeah, um, that we just um, my partner with it, Max. He just got he got too busy and I got too busy and we were trying to finish up the last storyline. Um, we did it for like uh, nine years and we were trying to finish and we just never, oh, wow. we, we just couldn't both do it. We had, we had this, it was this epic journey of these, of these cat girls from outer space. It was literally the entire joke was, um, was, <laughs> Um, cause and people were like, Oh, we thought this would be way, way more pornographic than it is. I'm like, no, no, there's lots of porn on the internet. You don't need me for that. You know? <laughs> but, it, but it was just, it was, it was, it was the sex farce of these cat girls in outer space. It was a Star Trek parody, nice. um, and a, and a parody of superhero comics. Um, the last series we were doing was a parody of game of Thrones. Like, Beautiful. You, you know, like we, we would do time travel epics and stuff. So I, so I love doing stuff like that because that was, that was just pure creativeness. And it was just like me parodying stuff that I saw in pop culture um, or that Max saw in pop culture and trying um, weird things where we were trying to push the comic book form. Just uh, So one of the most creative things that we did that, that I was always amazed that people picked up on eventually. If you go, it's still online. You can go read it. Um, the, in the world of Cosmic Hellcats, word balloons are physical things. But no one ever comments on it. So like you, so like they're they're you know, and, and and what I mean by that is we um, if you look very closely, you can see that our our word balloons in our comic always have this slight three D bubbling to them. Okay, that, like they're they're there's a curve to the to the balloon. They're they shaded exist they, in the world, and they have a drop comic. shadow. They're physical right. there, and 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 we never explain this ever <laughs> in the context of the comic. But every once in a while, you'll see somebody because we somebody 
somebody on a podcast once critiqued it and they're like, and they're like, huh, the word balloons take up too much space. In fact, sometimes it feels like the, like the characters have to like are being edged out of the panel by the word balloons or they'll have to jump, they'll, they'll have to move around them. I'm like, yes, that was intentional. <laughs> you, you caught it. So like there, there are places in the comic where we'll have the characters jumping over word balloons or, or they'll hit each other with yeah, they'll bonk their word balloons together. Right. And, and, and uh, we had this one point where one of my favorite bits that we did was um, we had a character, um, we had a character who was naked, she had just showered or whatever. So, um, so we, so we just kept having word balloons um, over her, over her breast and her crotch. And that's, and that's how we hit it for the entire, (laughs) for that entire thing. And then there's, you know, a guy, you know, the guy that she's talking to is like trying to stare around them, you know, like, (laughs) but that, but that was the joke. And and people were like, why aren't you showing? I'm like, again, that that's the joke is, you know, it's us trying. So somebody said, well, why somebody asked, why don't they ever comment on the fact that they can, they can see the word balloons and and they would say stuff like i see what you're saying but other than that you know yeah they would, ne- they would never actually acknowledge that they could <laughs> see the word balloons and i was like why do you never acknowledge that you can't see yours right, right. in their world that's how sound works yeah yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. We, was, don't, we don't question that i i i why do i hear your voice right now well that's how we right. hear things they communicate with physical objects in front of them. Like, yes. And so, so we never acknowledged right. it over the entire, and, and Max and I had to talk about it. We're never going to talk about this. This is just going to be a thing um, because our, because their ship, then what was very loud was they were in a, they were in what we called a smart ship. They had a, they had a, uh, their spaceship communicated by shooting, um, projecting these um these holograms of words that they would read okay and okay and and so that was very obvious and no one ever had a problem with the fact that like people got the because because i used a different font i used like this digital font on what looked like this screen that would just float in the air and they would very clearly be reading those and people got that and they never questioned the fact that that that, like fluffy fluffy is what we call the ship we call the ai fluffy (laughs) fluffy would communicate with um with these projections of words and everybody else would talk back and but the fact that they were word balloons people people never got so so to me that was always part of you know that was the fun of writing that series was like yeah, just yeah. the creativeness of that and we had like spinoffs we had so so uh cosmic hellcats was the main story and we had um like a spinoff called um that i that i wrote called um cat and dog which was this um, this detective noir series um, nice based uh, I did the artwork like Frank Miller's Sin City, Sin City. Cool, um, cool, cool. and yeah. and just and it was just like me making fun of the, the concept was there's this former Hellcat this former cosmic Hellcat and she got fed up and then she left and she ends up um, moving to a planet of dog people and she dates <laughs> this guy this guy named yellow dog and they and they just go they they become a femme fatale and bruiser detective team and right. like so so that was just me trying to do something different right, um, right and right. i miss doing stuff like that but again you know dissertations take up a lot of you know the most creative thing i do right now is my show you know or like because that takes up that that is it's work, you know, in, in, a and I'm not telling a story like, you know, like I would be when I was writing, when I was writing short stories and when I was writing comics, I, I am largely doing the same kind of stuff that I do at work, you know, much like, like you are with this communicating show. Communicating right? like ideas. I, yeah. yeah. But, um, but for me, it's so fun. Like people, people, you know, how do you find time for it? And I'm like, it keeps me like, I do two podcasts right now and they keep me sane because even though it's the same kind of stuff that I'm doing in my dissertation, it's the same kind of stuff that I'm teaching. 
I can't explain it any better than it's just the context of it is so different. Vox Popcast is, you know, you've been on the show. I always say that it is the idea was, you know, if we go to a conference, let's have the conversation that we have in the bar afterwards. And you and I have done a lot of hanging out in bars at conferences, you know, but like let's have the the bar conversation. Let's just have it on the air and being able to have this laid back, you know, this laid back view of academia, because as I said earlier, I got into academia because I was a weird nerd who was doing it for fun. Right. Like I was going around and doing academic conferences in my spare time. So being able to, now that it's my job, being able to also do the, the fun part of it matters to me. So yeah. that's, that's really my creative outlet right now. And I still, you know, I still do, I have an, I have an idea for a novel that I want to work on yeah. once I finish a dissertation, but you no, know, I, I only have so many, so many hours in the day. Yeah. The Vox podcast, again, that's, that's your podcast. Mm-hmm. Always pop culture themed, variety of topics. You got some regular co-hosts and you get guests and things like this. Mm-hmm. And you've had me on three times and I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. and you one of come the back. Yeah, yeah, we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta do that for sure. And one of the reasons I started the podcast was those experiences and again having these kind of loose conversations about these things we care about and mm-hmm. that other people also care. And so your audience kind of finds you in a certain way too, you know? Yeah. I like that, dude. And I and again, I have it's one of my open tabs. I have like 30 open tabs right now. <laughs> but one of the open tabs for me to listen to in the next couple of days over the weekend is your Fast and the Furious episode, which is <laughs> labeled here uh, the subtle and sophisticated highbrow culture of the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I gotta I gotta I gotta listen to this one. So Yeah. Most of the most of the Vox Pop episodes are not labeled that ridiculous. So so <laughs> In 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 academic world, I've got this thing where, particularly at PCA, but when I do conferences in general, um, since I'm always working with pop culture, I if I'm if I'm submitting somewhere, I'm gonna you know I've done, I've done talks on comics, I've done talks on Jordan Peele, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I've done you know pro- professional wrestling. I don't want to go and do the you know the 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 thing that everybody else is doing. I'm I'm always going to want to do something silly. Yeah. Um and popular. So yeah. I always my my joke with the conferences was I was always trying to make it as pretentious and literary sounding as possible. But it was just <laughs> that's mostly to amuse myself. Yeah. But yeah. I don't usually do that as much with um with um the podcast because with the podcast one of our goals was always to get regular listeners. Um one thing that I hate about academia is I think it can be kind of gatekeepery, right? Sure, 100%. Um, I think that I think that there is value in and promoting voices that are studied like um so if um I I I do think that there is value in having someone get a PhD in studying comics, right? Like yes. I, like, I, you know, or in pro wrestling to where, um, where I have spent enough time. I've spent years of my life at this point investigating the nuance of how sexuality is portrayed in superhero comic books. I am, I, I am without ego saying I am one of the foremost experts on this topic on the planet. Right. Right. That's what, what I have done for the last decade is like work towards this. Right. Right. Um, And I know other people. So things that I say, things that my direct colleagues say 
should be more important in a way than just like, well, I think Black Widow is hot because, right? Like, that's not right. what I'm doing, right? Right, right. Um, that said, I'm still writing about funny books. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure, you know sure. like right, it's right. still comics. I'm still writing about pro wrestling. Yeah, it's still, yeah. you know, it's it's still it comes from an area least, of expertise, all that kind of stuff. But we're still, still talking wrestling. about silly things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so I want it to be silly. Good, I want good. and I want to be able to I want to be able to have an intelligent conversation that you don't need to go to grad school for a decade in order to appreciate. Yeah. And and that needs to matter because I can I can write a journal article for um for journal of comic studies or for uh, american culture which is um uh pca's one of their magazines one of their journals or or um the professional writer scholars uh, professional wrestling scholars association which we we both know like i can yeah. i can go and publish for them and then be read by 10 other academics in my field right right or I can yeah the seventeen people in your field talking to each other right right it's always the same fifteen people talking to each other yeah. right right and I and I think and I think there's value in that that's fine yeah but yeah, but I it. also yeah, sure. yeah, yeah I also think that um it's it's weird because you know no one's it, no one's getting rich on right. academic podcasting right even if I had the had the listenership that NPR has which I don't you know right. but I want it so everybody should go to www.boxpodcast.com <laughs> but no but I, I want but I mean even if I had listener you know NPR is not billionaires right this is why they're always asking for money right right um no one is getting filthy rich doing that that's not why we're doing this yeah however I do real like I started recognizing that um I have friends in academia who are always amazed that, wow, you have a podcast. You have, you, you have hundreds of people listening to you every week. That's yeah. amazing because I'm only ever talking to 12 people. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I like, I, right. I, um, right. I feel honored Same. that, um, that, you know, you know, we've, we, we have hundreds of listeners that that's amazing Great. to me. Yeah. Um, I want to, you know, the fact that I, that I've said anything ever in, you know, in this, academic industry that any of my ideas are listened to you know people always talk about you know you write you write a dissertation you spend five or six years of your life doing writing something that literally four people are going to read right that's it like right. it, and and then you and and for that you get some letters after your name right that's that's how that's how that works most dissertations are never read by anybody else other than your committee right um you know maybe your mom or somebody right like yeah. it, it really is not it's, it's nobody and then you know it's less work um, but I do try, you know, you, you said we have a different topic every week. We yeah. try to have some scholarly rigor in there. If we're talking about Fast and Furious, if we're talking about um, uh, this week's show, I'm not on. We're talking, they're talking about narrative structure in video games is, is this next couple, uh, upcoming episode. But like last week, we talked about King Arthur, um, King Arthur movies and, and books. So King Arthur um, and the Round Table ancient novels right right and, and and writing poetry all the way through uh just a week ago they released this movie the green knight and we right. talk about the evolution of, of storytelling in arthurian legend and we had a colleague of mine who um did his dissertation work in medievalism um and, and has right. and knows a lot about this stuff but we talked about this because I want it to matter and I want to be able to have that kind of that kind of academic rigor. Yeah. And I love like your 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 show 
is very specialized in one thing or in two things, not yeah. one thing, and specifically in two things. We try to hop around. We try to do something completely different yeah. every week. So, you yeah. know, I, I want to be able to talk about Fast and Furious and then I want to be able to talk about comic books. And then, I, you know, one of my favorite episodes that we've done recently, we did an episode on American Girl Dolls, something I know nothing about. But yeah. we had three people on who like had studied this and knew, you know, right. from when they were playing with them as little girls to being full-fledged adults who've done work in the cultural theory of, of this. And um, so it's literally an hour of, you know, me, a boy, and also too old, you know, like the, the, these weren't around when I was a child. Like this is very much a millennial thing. I'm a Gen Xer, right? So it was just fascinating to me to, me to learn the history of this industry, yeah. which is pop culturally relevant right like sure. uh, you know if any of your listeners ha- you know either have daughters or were young girls themselves after the year 1990 they're listening going oh my god american girl dolls yeah. yes i had one of those or i never had one but when I'm i was eight yeah. i w- i wanted one so badly but they're so expensive and you know and sure. and they're because they are they're they're this they're this it's a american girl dolls are this weird marker of class Okay. Uh, 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 because they're not cheap. They're expensive dolls. Um, so they're so you need to have your parents need to be financially well off well off enough to afford one. Right. Um, but so many of them, it, it's this weird appropriation thing where a lot of them are a lot of the dolls are historical figures. I mean, they're not they're fictional historical figures. Wow. But like they're but the dolls are you know here's a young girl who grew up in the depression. Let's look at her life. Here's a girl who grew up homeless in the eighties. Let's what? look at her life. Here's a girl who's a who's a um who, who's wow. I don't um, know what and, this is. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, yeah, but like there's so there so and they're they're multi ethnic. So you know we we will have um there's dolls that are this this young this young girl is um a Native American from whatever tribe she's from. This is this doll is a a recently freed slave. This doll isn't you know and they you know they're all they, they're fitting all of these. They're all young girls, um, a set of young girl dolls from various points in American culture. Right, and it's fascinating. But also they're 120 bucks. Like, so, so yeah, you know, yeah, and even, yeah, and, yeah. and um, Monica, my co-host, she was talking about, you know, she, you know, she had one, which she adored as a young girl, you know, but her mother paid money for it. So it's like, it's the doll that she's allowed to play with, but that can't leave the house yeah. except for when they went on, they went on a trip to like, you can go to the American girl doll store to where you have tea with your doll and you, and like, <laughs> and you can buy an outfit and stuff. And it's like a whole thing. And like, she talks about when she was like 10, this was a, or nine or 10, this is a big deal because it, she got to take the doll out of the home. And, and, wow. and, and I was like, so having that conversation yeah. on, on air to me is amazing and this is PCA. I get to do PCA. Pop, again, we keep saying that it's a it's a conference. I get to do this academic conference. I get to go to one panel a week for the last three years. Yes, yeah. Because you know, even like now, and I still go to the conference for real. You know, but like going to the conference, um, which was online this year, and yeah. being able to like just sit in all these pa- paper panels. You know, I get to go do a round a, a round table and just listen to people's academic ideas or pseudo academic ideas right. about um, about you know, American girl dolls or fast and the furious or um, professional wrestling or whatever. And I can do it every week. And it is so exciting for me to be able to do that. I think the, again, I, I, I remember when I first went on your show, one of the things I did remember and still is part of your like tagline is that it's a pseudo academic conversation. (laughs) And again, I like that, that it comes from 
again, these people with their expertise, which we talked about, which does matter 100 mm-hmm. percent, but that the conversation is not academic. That's yeah. what's super important about your podcast, I think. Whereas mine, I don't I want it to be quite popular in terms of my audience, as it were, you know, rather than academic. But I like that it makes it accessible to people that are interested in these things and thinking about them in these more complex ways, you know, mm-hmm. and that. That is, uh, I think that's real important to to have uh, that kind of a model out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool, man. And so aside from the podcast, that's your, you know, your main kind of creative project. And I, I love mm-hmm. it, dude. Good luck on all that stuff. We'll make sure to plug it in the show notes. But what else do you got going on? Anything else? Other projects? I know I, you, yeah, you I do, do a do second artwork. podcast. You know, well, okay, so well, I, know I do a do... second podcast that's okay. on that's on just comic books on this comic book called Excalibur. That's called Gosh Golly Wow, um, and I've been doing that. Started this year. Um, we're just there's this comic book series from that ran from 1989 through 1999. It was a 10 year project that Marvel Comics ran. We're going through one episode at a time. How interesting! Um, and just and we and that's more that's more academic, but it's always very specialized. It's always around just the, just okay. this one comic this one comic book, the superhero comic book that was ridiculous. And it's a niche. Um, it's a X Men spinoff called Excalibur, and it's yeah. yeah so it was very it was it was it's kind of a cult classic, and we're just analyzing that. And I do, you know, like I said, I used to draw a comic strip, write and draw a comic strip with a friend of mine. I don't have time for that anymore, but like just to re- unwind, I, I still love drawing. So like I haven't, okay. uh, so just, you'll see me post them to Facebook when I, when I have time. And I haven't, I haven't done one in weeks because I just haven't had time. Um, right. Uh, but, uh, but um, I, I love drawing. I love, um, I was working for a while. I was working as a photographer on the side. I was doing yeah, uh, I know you have- glamour photography and yeah. I, um, which I think people were sort of, you know, cause I write all, I write all this stuff about, you know, um, I'm very much a feminist scholar. I, like a lot of my work does deals with gender and sexuality. And I think people would think that I'm anti that. Yeah. Then I've also I you know had a whole career shooting nude photography, right? (laughs) And people were like, uh, and I'm like, no, I I I don't. To me, those things don't contradict each other at all. Hundred percent. Yeah. I've not done as much of that lately. Again, because because PhD ness ate my life. For sure. (laughs) Um, sure. But I but I but I miss things like that. So I do. You know, there's a lot of creative things that uh none of it's none of it's big time anymore because i don't have time for it but i do things when i can because they keep me sane like like uh i for me you know i i i I can just sit down and sketch because essentially doodling even though i'm drawing people right right is it's part of just it's a necessary part of resetting my brain sure I think just to, to make me not think about, you know, and it's fun. It's funny. Cause like, you know, I learned to draw from comic books. So like, I sure. still, I'm, I'm essentially drawing superheroes all the time, uh-huh. but it's still, it's at least not thinking about superheroes. It's letting my mind wander. Right. Right. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So how do people keep up with Chris Maverick and Vox podcast social media website? What you got as far as plug? Yeah. Bud? Okay. Every I'm most places, um, pr- primarily Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm at Chris Maverick on on all th- all three of those things. And uh, Instagram, my Instagram's boring. Uh, and when I think of pictures, I, you know, because I don't I, I don't understand Instagram. I'm an old man. Um, I mean, I've, I, I post things there. It's just not. I don't like. Um, 
I don't do use it as much. I'm not like taking selfies and stuff. I, I did that for a while. <laughs> I, I had a project that I did for years for four years. I took a self portrait every day and some of them were creative. And I some saw that project. on your website and I was like, yeah, the, what a picture every day for four years. Yeah. Well, I call it, it was supposed to be for a year, 365 days. And I did it for four um, before people were really doing selfies. Um, and some of them are just like a very boring click. Okay. I've taken a picture with my cell phone. Other times I would do a whole photo shoot and, in my in my studio that I'm in right now and I've I've got one of my favorite pictures I did was I did my I did a recreation of Secret Wars number one which is a comic book where I played every character in in the Secret Wars comic I I did myself Hawk and Spider-Man and I literally just it took me all day to shoot (laughs) and that was so I I did stuff like that Um, so I don't I mean there's stuff like that but like my um, Instagram is it's not better. as interesting right now. <laughs> um, Twitter and Facebook, a lot of times I'm saying the same stuff, you know, just like, you know, sure. lots of thoughts about politics and stuff, me making fun of people, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which you, I mean, you see, you see quite frequently. If, you, if you're going to follow me, understand that um, I am, I think I'm a very smart person. I think I'm very funny, but I am super literal and I swear a lot. Um, and, and so yeah. just be understand what you're getting into. Um, so um, I, 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 you know, I, I have political commentary and things like that. Talks about what I'm up to. Um, the shows uh, one is Vo- well, one is Vox Popcast, which is at Vox Popcast one. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, um, and sure. also your podcast app of choice. And the other is Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, though on Twitter, we're just Gosh Golly Wow. But um, And I don't think we have an Instagram account for, for Gosh Golly Wow yet. We, we should. Um, I, I mostly don't run that one. Anna does, uh, okay. my co-host. Um, but they, but those are, you know, I, you'll see me tweet about stuff like that and you can listen to me and, yeah. uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel where, you know, I'm behind like three weeks behind on YouTube shows from where, where we are in the audio shows, Same. but like I put, but everything that I do on, on the audio version of the podcast, I have this enhanced version on YouTube, which, um, um, if there's pictures to be seen, which on the comic book shows, it's really easy because there's stuff, you know, there's pictures from the comics. Um, sometimes we had, we did a show on, on, um, on alcohol, like two weeks ago, ago, where we talked about whiskey and wine culture. I had a sommelier on and I had a, nice. I had a whiskey expert on and there's no interesting visuals for that. It's just like, you know, it's <laughs> them, so yeah, yeah, it's an hour conversation. So I just didn't, so the YouTube video version of the show is, it's not boring. It's the same audio as the, as yeah. the version that you can get on, on Apple podcasts or, or and Spotify or whatever, yeah. but like the YouTube version of the show has no pictures because what am I, what am I supposed to show is these people right. talking about how you judge wine. And I'm like, okay, well, easy <laughs> to edit, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you can listen, you can follow me on your podcast, Apple choice on, you know, on, uh, what, what do I always say on the show on, on Apple podcasts or Spotify or, uh, you know, or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from, you know, yeah, <laughs> like basically, that's, yeah, there's that's, two where, that's where we get it. All those same places. Very cool, man. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, have to convert my stuff for YouTube too, and I'll get behind just because it takes so long to encode a, even a nothing video of just the album cover, which is all I put, just a still photo. And it, yeah. and it just takes forever to get it over on YouTube to make mm-hmm. your video file and all that. So, But yeah, we'll, get, we'll direct people over to uh, all your social media stuff and the shows as well. Mm-hmm. Mav, I appreciate it talking to you. It's been a while, man. Yeah. We haven't run yeah, into we'll each to... other at those conferences because they've been online. But uh, 
at some Definitely point have to have you back you. on because we're doing um we've got um we've got one coming up where it's not it's not announced yet but we've got a show coming up where we're, we're probably going to be talking about car culture oh so. yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a, we got a bunch of stuff going on. So yeah, definitely love for your, for your, any listeners who want to, who want to check stuff out. We, our yeah. show is all over the place. Um, it, it, it really, it really is, and, and hopefully that's interesting to people. So oh yeah, cool. Let me know when that one comes up, man, and uh, uh, I'll be happy to do it. All right, Mav, you have a good rest of your weekend, bud, and take yeah, care. You too. Alright y'all, thanks for listening to me and Mav talking about damn near everything. He's a good friend of mine and somebody that I admire, and he's all over the internet. It's gonna be at Chris Maverick on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He's also the host of Vox Popcast, voxpopcast.com. It's also gonna be at Vox Popcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as YouTube. And he's the co-host of another podcast, Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow. And it's based on the Excalibur comic book from Marvel Comics. And that's going to be at Gosh Golly Wow on everything out there on social media. As far as the show, you guys know what's up. Writers and Fighters everywhere online. Writersandfighters.com has an episode guide. Send an episode to a friend and let them know how cool the show is. I'll be recording some new interviews next week, so make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever weird app you use to listen to podcasts. All right, y'all, aside from that, you know the drill. Be good. Be safe. Take care of each other. And we'll talk next week. Peace. Peace.